let us be done. Down to the end of the verse, Mark 7, to God's praise. God's name and prayer. Let us pray. Eternal Father, we thank you that this is where we are found, gathered together collectively to worship you. Lord, we are dependent upon you for all that we do say or think. And we pray that you would help us as we worship you this morning or today help us to glorify your name so that all the praise would be yours Lord we need your help and we need your grace and we need your spirit to quicken us so Lord we thank you that we from your word we realize that in prayer we can come boldly confidently to the throne of grace with our requests because that's what you command us to do and that is what we see in your word as true Christian prayer so Lord we come seeking your face and seeking your blessing through your son our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ Lord we thank you for this access that we have into your presence and we pray that each one present here today would have that 
sense of your presence that felt sense of your presence that our hearts would be melted that our desires would be quickened that our love would be deepened that our hope would be realized as we worship you here today Lord we thank you that the access we have is because we have it through your son and we thank you that he is the one who came into this world by adding to his person humanity and we thank you that we can look back to a time in history when he was in this world walking in this world when he was born of a woman dependent upon his human mother yet God Lord this is a great mystery to us but we thank you that all this is recorded for us in your word and your word is the truth and we thank you Lord that we read in your word that he volunteered to go to that cross at Calvary in order for him to redeem his people and we thank you O Lord that he went there and that we have that recorded and we thank you that even our calendar speaks of that to us because that was the time when he gave himself unto death and we thank you that in his death he was able to satisfy divine justice and as a result of that we are able to be reconciled through him through his finished work on that cross and we pray today as we come to focus upon the Lord Jesus that you would challenge us from your word as we realize where Christ is now at your right hand where he sits and where he is continually working and we thank you that he's working for us as we worship you this morning. We thank you for his intercession, his intercessory work on the throne of grace. And we pray, Lord, as we focus upon that great truth today, we would be encouraged. And that that encouragement would result us in having a renewed passion, a renewed desire to be like Jesus. Oh Lord we need the stimulus of your spirit continually in these days. We are conscious that we are living in dark days. And we realize that this is the day that you meant for us to be your people. And we pray that you would help us as your people to be more and more like Jesus. So that when the world looks at us they can see that we are different. Because we are different. We are a new creation in Christ. And we pray, O oh Lord, that you would help us to fulfill that promise that you've given to us. And a command that you've given to us. And that is that we are as your people to let our light so shine forth before men. That they might see our good work and glorify our Father which is in heaven. So we pray for you to challenge us today, Lord, to be the people that you called us to be, to be children of the day and not of the night and of darkness. So help us, Lord, to, to be stimulated by your word, to be encouraged by your word, and have that longing, that passion, that obedience that is required of us as your children to live to your glory. Lord, we thank you that this is where we found today, gathered together to worship you. We're not here by chance. We're here because you ordained that we would be here today. And we pray that you would bless us and edify us from your word. We also pray for those who are unable to be with us. We know that some are watching through Sim and listening through Sim. Zoom. And we pray that you would be with them too. We pray especially for those who are laid aside in illness or who perhaps are mourning the loss of loved ones. Lord, be near to them and draw near to them and come with healing in your wings if that be your, that be your will. We pray for the pastor of the congregation. We pray for Farki. We also pray for the elders, Ricky and um, Ricky and Neil Shaw. And we, we also pray for Tommy as well and Balaferi. Lord, we pray that you would bless them in their old age and in their illnesses. And we pray that they would be comforted by those who look after them. We also pray that you would bless everyone here this morning, from the oldest to the youngest. Lord, we thank you for the children that are here. And we pray that you would bless them. And we pray that you would bless parents who are bringing up their children in these dark days. We are attacked on every side. And we pray, Lord, that you would bless them in a way that they would come to know you even as children. 
We pray for Christian parents who are training their children in the way that they should go. And we pray that they would not depart from that way. Lord, we are also commanded to pray for those in authority over us from your word. And we pray that you would bless those who... We pray for the royal family. And we pray that you would bless our king, that you would bring our king to understand and realize that he is under your authority and he's responsible to you for all his decisions. And we pray that he would seek you with all your heart and we, with all his heart. And we pray that you would bring him to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We also pray for our parliamentarians in Westminster and in Holyrood. And we pray that you would bless our Prime Minister and our First Minister. And you would give them wisdom as they rule and govern our country. And we pray that they would realize that they are, they are responsible to you for all the decisions that they make. And we are grieved, O oh Lord, when we see the rules and we see the laws that have been imposed upon us these past number of years. Rules that are holy against your word. And it is little wonder our nation is in the state it's in. Because we've turned our backs upon you. And we are reaping what we are sowing. As your word tells us clearly. Righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach to the people. And that's what we are reaping in these days. We thank you for Katie Forbes. And we thank you for the stand that she has made. And we thank you for the witness that has been there. And for the many discussions that it has created. And we pray that people would realize that there is a God in heaven. Whom they are responsible to. Oh Lord we pray that you would have mercy upon us. Lord we pray for our churches. and our, Especially our national churches. Which have turned their backs in general upon you. And we pray oh Lord that you would bring reformation to the, to the church again. Lord, we need reformation. We need to be brought back to the word, which is the only rule to direct us as to how we may glorify and enjoy you. And we pray that this would happen. And we pray that we might see repentance. Because we have not repentance and reformation. We cannot expect revival. And that is our prayer and that is our long for. That you would rend the heavens and send your spirit down with mighty power. We know we don't deserve it. But we crave it. And we thank you. Although we in the West are suffering. And as Christians we must make a stand. We thank you that in other parts of the world. The gospel is growing. And we pray Lord. That we might see more and more coming to know Christ. Even today. Lord this week we've lost two giants. In the cause of Christ. Tim Keller and uh, Harry Reader. And we pray, Lord, that you would bless their congregations. And we pray, O oh Lord, that you would raise up men again. Powerful men, as you've done in the past. We can look back to our history when we had revival after revival in our land. We look back to times when the country was similar to where it is today. At the time of uh, George, uh, George Whitfield and um, John Wesley. And we thank you that you raised them up. But as a result of their preaching, revival came. Not only in our country, but in America and other parts of the world. Lord, we long for that again. Raise up men who would proclaim your word boldly in our day. Hear us as we cry to you, O Lord. Have mercy upon us and bless us. We need your blessing. So Lord, focus our minds now on what it is we are doing here this morning. Worshipping a thrice holy God. Oh Lord, may the glory be yours in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. It's good to see so many children in church this morning. I love to see children in church. It's great. And uh, I'm sure you all know what that is, surely. Yes, a pencil. Now, the good thing about this pencil is that it's good. At one end, you can use it to write. The other end you can actually use it to, re to erase what you've written or rub it out. And I need that. Um, I occasionally like to do crosswords. And when I started doing them, first of all, I was using a pen. And you can picture the, what, what it looked like using a pen, stroked out, stroked out, re rewritten. 
So that's why I really value a pencil. And I'm delighted that they created one or somebody thought it was wise to put an eraser or a rubber on the, on the end of the pencil. And I want you to remember this. When you ever have a pencil that has an eraser or a rubber and you're using a pencil. I mean, it's handy when you're in school, doesn't it? You can rub out if you've done it wrong. But as with a pen, it's much more difficult. But this, what I want to tell you this morning, we want to be focusing this morning on the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, who came into this world. And he came into this world to save sinners. And what Jesus has done as a result of going to the cross at Calvary, he went there to erase the sins of those who put, it, who put their trust in him. And that's amazing. That our sins can be forgiven if we come to Christ and give our lives to Christ. Amazing. He is ready to forgive us for our sins. But you know what he said to children and to young people? He says, suffer little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. And you know, I read a lovely story recently uh, that this, this minister who had seen a lot of young people come to know Christ and part of his preaching, uh, part of his emphasis in his preaching was remember when you are young in a sense it is easier for you to come to Christ than when you're old because the sins that you've had in your life can dumb and, and uh, it can make your, make your sins feel less the older you get but when you come to Christ as a young person, you haven't had or done most of these things, sins. So in a sense, it's easier to come to Christ. And I would encourage you children to look to Jesus. Because Jesus loves children. And he wants children to come to him, especially as children. And I want you to remember, if you're using a pencil with an eraser or a rubber on the end, remember this. That Jesus can erase all of your sins. Past, present, future. That's the best news there is in the world, is it not? That our sins can be forgiven. But as the Bible says, not only can they be forgiven, but Jesus tells us that he casts them into the sea of his forgetfulness. Praise the Lord. So, children, can you remember that? Well, we're going to be looking about at Jesus today, where he is. He is at the right hand of the Father. And see when you go home, I want you to ask your parents, will you do this? Ask your mum and dad. We know Jesus is here with us this morning because he's promised to be here. But we also know he's in heaven. Ask your mum and dad to explain that to you. How can Jesus be in heaven and be here as well? And hopefully they'll tell you the answer. Thank you for listening. And let us now sing to God's praise in Psalm 16, uh, verses 8 to 11.
Let us hear God's word for the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, and we can read the first 17 verses. Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and love? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one shall see the Lord. See to it that no that no one fails to obtain the grace of God that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal for you know that afterward when he desired to inherit the blessing he was rejected for he found no chance to repent though he sought it with tears may the Lord add his blessing to that reading of his own holy and inerrant world we'll now sing to God's praise from Psalm 110 and sing Psalms uh, verse 1 and also verses 5 to 7 verse 1 and verses 5 to 7 the Lord said to my Lord sit here at my right hand until I make your foes oppose a stool on which your feet may stand <coughs> The Lord said to my
for a few short moments with the Lord's help. I'd like to look with you at the second verse, or part of the second verse of Hebrews chapter 12. And I'd like to read again the second verse. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and particularly these words, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Just a few words on this amazing text of Scripture. Looking unto Jesus, the perfecter of our faith, who is now sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. My friends, Christ must always, always have the preeminence. He must always be the focal point of our worship. And especially, I hear you, we're preparing for the Lord's table in a few weeks' time. My friends, we must always have the cross before us. It ought to be our ultimate paradigm through which we see all of life. Always fixing our eyes upon Jesus who endured the cross. But there is a second aspect of looking unto Jesus that I want to consider with you today. And that is the necessity of looking up to Jesus as to where he is now. He is presently enthroned. He is exalted. He is seated at the highest place at the right hand of God on the throne in heaven. So I want to look at this text through five different headings or dimensions. Seated at the right hand of the Father. Number one. Christ being seated at the right hand of the Father implies the finished work of redemption. For God, this is implied in the fact that Jesus is actually sitting down. His work is complete. There is no more work of redemption for him to be done. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Again, it's, he, is, he, he no longer needs to purchase our salvation. He declared on the cross, did he not? These amazing words, it is finished. That was a declaration on the cross by Jesus. Finished meaning that he had brought to completion the work of his redemption and the work of salvation on our behalf. And because he's completed that work, he can now be seated at the right hand of the Father. Listen to these words in Hebrews 1 verse 3. They are amazing. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he then sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. My friends, what a glorious verse. He is the radiance of the glory of God. That really warms my heart. Everything that God the Father possesses in his nature, in his essence, in his attributes, in his person, the Son also possesses. And amazingly, he holds the universe in his hands. What power! What power! He went to the cross. He made purification for sin. He purged our sins with his shed blood. He washed away our sins. Then after that was complete, he sat down at the right hand of God. His work was finished. It was complete. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 12, we read these words. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Can anything be clearer than that? That is clarity for me. There we see the, 
the potency, if you want, of the sacrifice that he made for you and I if we are Christians here this morning. One sacrifice for sin for all time. In Nogbain this morning, there's no priest. There's no sacrifice. There's no blood of bulls. There's no mass to be served. The sacrifice was once and for all, now and forever. What does it mean, really, that he is seated at the right hand? Well, again, let me emphasize this. His work of redemption is complete. He has paid the price. And if you're a Christian here this morning, against your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, stamped is paid in full. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Secondly, the favored status of equality with God. I mean, I'm a military man. Spent most of my life in the military. Now, a person of high rank, and he has someone to second him, he calls him his right-hand man. And that person is normally a person who has equal honor and equal dignity. Now, notice where Jesus is seated. At the right hand of the throne of God. What does that mean? It means that he's equal with the Father. No angel can sit on that seat. No redeemed saint can sit on that seat. Only the one who is co-equal, co-eternal with the Father can sit there. It's reserved for Jesus Christ alone. The right hand indicates equality. In other words, he's at the same level as the Father. He's not above the Father. He's not below the Father. He is next to the Father. One in authority, one in majesty, one in glory, one in power. That's our Savior. In Hebrews 1, he gives us a picture of the superiority of Christ. At verse 5. For which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son today, I have begotten you. I will be to him a father and he will be to me a son. What a significant statement. Let the angels worship him. In Grey Friars, over the past five or six weeks, on a Wednesday evening, we've been going through the ministry of angels. It has been so edifying. All the angels in the Old Testament and the New Testament and the purpose of them being there. There they are, ascending and descending. At work, serving. Who are they serving? They are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And my friends, what a statement we have here in Hebrews 1 again in verse 8. But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. What a stunning statement. When the Baha'i comes to your door, or when the Jehovah Witnesses comes to your door, or anyone for that matter who denies the deity of Christ, take them here. Because this is what the Father says to the Son. God, O God, your throne is forever and ever. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Forever occupying the throne. He is forever God. That is what it means for Jesus to be seated at the right hand of God. A place of equality. Then thirdly, we see the favored rank of authority with God. Whoever sits on the throne has equal shared authority with the Father. The throne speaks of his right to rule. His right to rule. He is entrusted with throne rights that belong to God. We know that from John chapter 5, where we read that all judgment has been given to me by the Father. On the final day, every single person who has been born into this world will stand before the judge of all the earth. 
the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Father has given all authority to the Lord Jesus Christ and committed judgment to his hands as well as salvation into his hands as well. You see, we're talking here about the person who created this word, world by the word of his power and who sustained it, sustains it by that same power. And that means that Jesus has the authority to act as he pleases. In other words, he has the authority to send the Holy Spirit. Christ alone has the authority to build his church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He is in control of all his enemies. He is in control of all all our circumstances. He is able to open and to close hearts. He's able to save sinners, judge mankind, damn sinners who do not put their trust in Christ into a lost eternity in hell. <coughs> My friends, the heart of this matter is found in Ephesians chapter 1, where we read in verse 20 to 22 that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come and he's put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church which is the body the fullness of him who fills all in all Where is he? He is far above at the place of authority. Fourthly, he has the place of honor before God. He is the one who will be the object of of all our adoration. We will worship him in heaven. We worship him here on earth. And he is at the place of highest rank, highest honor. And he must always, always be the object of our uh, worship. Of every creature today in this world, whether in heaven or in earth or even under the earth, this speaks to us, does it not, of the preeminence of the Lord Jesus Christ and the glory that is due to his name. We are commanded in his word, in Philippians 2, for instance, that the name, at the name of Jesus every knee, knee shall bow, because he's been crowned as King of kings and Lord of lords. I love that hymn written by Edward Pervent, a hymn he wrote in 17-something, 59, I think it was. Often called the National Anthem of Christendom. Listen to these words. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem. Crown him, crown him, crown him, Lord of all. Let every kindred tribe on this terrestrial fall. To him all majesty ascribe. Crown him, crown him, crown him, Lord of all. Oh, my friends, there will be no atheists in hell. No. Every single person, as we've said already, who was born into this world will bow the knee to the judge of the whole earth. My friends, if you're a Christian here this morning, you should be humbled, or today, we passed the morning, we realize that he is the one who melted down our hearts to enable him or enable us to acknowledge him as our Lord and as our Savior. And the Holy Spirit is directing us today to worship and to adore this great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And God the Father is pointing us today to worship the Son and to give allegiance and loyalty to his own Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Fifthly, the finished work of Christ. The faithful work of intercession. My friends, Jesus is working for us right now. He is upon the throne. But this is not the work of redemption. 
It's not the work of sacrifice being made for sinners, but the work of intercession which he makes for his own today. He's at the right hand of the Father on our behalf, interceding for us. We have at the right hand one who is pleading the merit of his blood and interceding for our good today in heaven. Praise the Lord for that. Romans 8 verses 33 and 34 read, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn Christ Jesus? Is the one who God is the one who died more than that who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Referring to bringing petitions to a king on somebody else's behalf. Christ is at the right hand bringing petitions for you and I that our lives would be abundantly blessed by God the Father. He is not interceding for the whole world. Uh, John 17:9 tells us that. He pleads only for those who are his children. The priests represented the people before God in the Old Testament. But it is Jesus who is our great high priest. As Hebrews 7.25 says, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. You might ask the question, why do we need representation before God? Well, I think the answer is there for us in in Revelation 12, verse 10. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, this is talking about... uh, the, um, the, accuser, the accuser of the brethren. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come to the accuser of our brothers, Satan. Who has thrown, he has been thrown down to accuse his people day and night before God. The accuser of the brethren. He is there to represent us in the very throne room of heaven. And the reason is there because we are unable to represent ourselves. But there is one who has his names, or our names, written in his heart and on the palms of his hands. And he is able to plead his blood with the Father for every accusation that is brought against us. The devil can bring whatever accusation he wants against us. But whatever that is, if we are his, all of them are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. We all believe, do we not, in the security of the saints, the perseverance of the saints. Christ is our advocate. And he has never lost a single case, not one. He's an undefeated attorney. Where do we find that? Well, we find that in 1 John chapter 2, for instance, where we read, we have an advocate with the Father. And it couldn't be a better one. Jesus Christ the righteous. And he speaks to the Father in our defense. Because my blood covers their sins. And we are to pray that God would have mercy upon us. But we also need to remember that Jesus is also interceding for us. And we've had many untold blessings that we didn't deserve. We didn't pray for. We didn't, we didn't labor in prayer over. But they can be traced back to our intercessor who is at the right hand of God where he asked the Father to lavish his grace upon us and to enable us to live and to press on in this Christian life. He represents our prayers in his name before the throne of God on our behalf. And the Father, he answers them. Not because of him who brings them before God on our behalf, 
as we pray in his name, we must fix always, fix our eyes upon Jesus. We need to be Christocentric, Christ-exalting in all that we do. We must look back to what Christ has done for us. But we also must be looking upwards to where Christ is now. My friends, we have a glorious Saviour who has not and never will lose any of his sheep. All the ransomed church of God will be saved to sin no more. Oh, my friends, I pray that we might have a renewed apprehension of our sovereign Lord who is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He belongs there. He has been invested with all the authority of heaven and earth. And he has completed the work of redemption. My friends, what a powerful ministry. He brings untold blessings to his children. And he keeps us secure in his Father's hand. What a magnificent Savior. What a glorious Savior. Who has not and never will lose any of his sheep. There will be no empty chairs in heaven. All the sheep committed to his care will be there. And not one will be lost. My friends, in closing, let us sum it up by saying that he is Lord of Lords, who brings the victory, who will reside in the new Jerusalem forever and forever. He is the one who says, Behold, I am the one who makes all things new. One final thing I want you to think about. He who has ascended into heaven and sends gifts to us is coming and on that day there will be no more salvation. It will be the consummation of his people, the Lord's people. But it will be condemnation of eternal judgment upon those who are not his people. My friend, if you are here today and you're not in Christ, you are under condemnation until such time as you put your trust in the finished work of Christ. And to do that, you need to pray to the Lord, who will have mercy upon you and who will abundantly pardon as his promised says to us. But you have that responsibility. But you cannot save yourself. It is the Holy Spirit alone which can bring life into the soul. But this day is coming when there will be no more salvation. But until that day, there is one final thing I want you to think about. Perhaps you've seen the flow in the Messiah and his people. He comes in humility, adding to his person humanity. And he finishes exalted. And there is a marvelous text in scripture that I want to finish with. In Philippians 2. That captures this for us. When Paul tells us, have this mind in yourselves which is yours in Christ. Who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But emptied himself. Not of deity. But he emptied himself of privilege. Of privilege. By taking the form of a servant. Humbling himself being born in the likeness of men. And he humbled himself to the point of death. Even death on a cross. And then the next verse. Therefore God has highly exalted him. My friends as Christians today. The going's tough. The going's tough. We're living in dark days. And as we've said in prayer. We're having laws imposed upon us. By government. Which are wholly against God's law. And for the Christian. 
I believe harder times will come. And we're already seeing that. People losing their jobs because they are Christians. In various walks of life. That's the day we're in. But we must stay in the battle. Ours is the day. We are like our Savior. In confident humility we follow him. We have him before us continually. Do you remember the Apostle Peter says? He says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. This is what he says. He will exalt you. When? At the right time. (coughs) These are not the days of exaltation that we are living in. These days that we are living in are days of humiliation. But we as servants of Christ are counted as sheep for the slaughtered. Asking God to keep us faithful to the mission and to the message of the church. That's why I crave reformation in the church. We need to go back to God's word as the only rule to direct us. And until we do that, we're not going to see revival. And we need repentance as a result of going back to God's word. Before we ever see his spirit working in our midst again. We are not here to be exalted my friends. We are here to exalt Christ. And my friends Christ has no rivals. And. Must it never be that we would lift up ourselves no matter what the cost is. We must always be ready to lift up Christ. Because there is coming a day in which you will be exalted. Not only will you have a new heart. Not only a new record. Not only a new life. Not only a new family. Not only a new home. But a new body. In the new heavens and the new earth. For we are ever and ever. We will be there forever and ever. Amen. May the Lord bless these thoughts to us. And may we be challenged in these days. To stand up. To stand up for Jesus. Because he is the one that paid the penalty for our sins on that cursed cross at Calvary, but who is today sitting in the place of authority at the right hand of the Father. And we need to be praying, my friends, that God would raise up mighty men to stand up for the truth in our day. It was sad to read and to hear and to see of the two sad deaths this week of Dr. Harry Reader and of... Tim Keller both mighty men who stood up for the truth and who were who were had the word of God as the rule to direct them and we also have some two who are in, on the last days here on earth and we need to remember the cause and we need to be praying that God in his mercy would raise up people to replace them and to add to them in our day so that the glory would be his. We know that the church is growing and will grow and that there are more Christians in the world today than ever before. But we have a responsibility as the Lord's people to be interceding before the throne of grace for an outpouring of his spirit in our day let us pray eternal father we thank you for being here this morning and we thank you that you were here with us and we thank you that you do presence yourself with us and we thank you for being reminded that you are the one who intercedes for us and we've received many blessings which we haven't labored for in prayer lord forgive us and challenge us in our own prayer lives to realize how important prayer is in our lives but also the importance of praying and studying your word which alone brings life to our souls 
Lord, how we need it. We have become so content in this world. Lord, preserve us and keep us active in your cause so that the glory would be yours in Christ. Amen. Our closing psalm is Psalm 21. Um, I'm not in Sing Psalms. <laughs> it's in the Scottish Psalter. I did say Sing Psalms, but uh, it's in the Scottish Psalter. Psalm, the King in thy great strength, O Lord, shall very joyful be. In thy salvation rejoice. How vehemently shall he. Down to the end of the verse, Mark 5. Again, Lord, we thank you for your presence with us this morning, and we pray that you would continue with us, and we pray that you would come out this evening, and we pray that you would, Douglas, as he as he leads the meeting this evening, we pray your blessing upon him. And now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, 